Have you ever wondered where you really stand with God? Are you overcome with feelings of guilt because of things you've done wrong? Are you tired of religion that focuses on rules that you can't keep? Have we got good news for you? It's time to listen in on some casual conversation with Mike Kapler and Joel Brzezinski and discover what true freedom is all about. This is Growing in Grace. Hey, welcome again to Growing in Grace. I'm Joel Brzezinski along with Mike Kapler talking about the grace of God. Thank you for uh, listening and thank you for sharing it with a friend. You know, uh, there's several ways that you can uh, interact with us. You know, we're on YouTube, even though we don't really post our podcast in video form where you can see the two of us talking, I do uh, have the podcast up there so you can hear the audio, uh, youtube.com slash graceroots. We invite you to do that. We've got uh, around 250 subscribers, uh, people who would um, who have subscribed to Graceroots, and uh, back when I had started that page on YouTube several years ago. I had maybe a few dozen subscribers, but it's when I started posting this podcast on there that we really started picking up there, so uh, we're pretty happy about that. Also, Twitter and Facebook, same second part of the address, twitter.com slash graceroots and facebook.com slash graceroots. Get a hold of us uh, through any of those things. Cap, here we are again. Um, I'm lost. I forgot what we're going to talk about today. (laughs) <laughs> well, it's good that you're lost, uh, because uh, that's exactly where we're going with this thing. Oh, yeah. And by the way, I was going to say that the YouTube subscribers who, who found us on YouTube are, are finding out there's an entire cache of old Growing in Grace podcasts. The message never gets old, though, and, and that's what's cool about it, growingandgrace.org for all the archives. Right. Yeah, I forgot to mention that, because, yeah, it's been maybe two, three years at the most that we've been on YouTube, but it's been almost nigh unto 10 years, about nine and a half years that we've been uh, doing the podcast. And yeah, like you say, it's all at growingandgrace.org. Yeah, time goes by pretty quick. Well, Joel is lost because he doesn't know where we're going, but um, actually we're in Luke 15. And there's a couple of parables that start off the chapter that we're not going to hit on here right now, but there's the lost sheep, there's the lost coin, um, there's what some call the lost son, others call it the prodigal son. And that's what we're going to put our focus this time, especially considering where we came from uh, in previous podcasts, especially last week where we talked about Jews and Gentiles coming together into one household, into one body, that the two were made into one new man, and we had the same father now. And and that's because the the barrier of the dividing wall had been torn down, the the law and the commandments that were against us. And and so the, the two, the Jews and the Gentiles, were made together to be one in that same family. And so coming off of that, we're going to look at something with the lost son, the prodigal son. And we've talked about this parable before in the past from a grace perspective, I would say. But I think we've um, been meditating on this a little bit more and, and sort of feel like God has maybe shown us a little something more to this parable that uh, most of us have missed over the years. And I got to say, Joel, what we're going to talk about here, I, I haven't ever heard. Now, there might be some others out there with a similar message. I don't know. I just haven't heard anybody talking about the parable with the perspective that we're going to bring. Yeah. 
And I agree too. And it was, uh, and that was one reason why you know the, the things we're going to talk about today. I kind of started seeing a few years ago, but I didn't hear anyone else talking about it, and I wasn't really sure what to think of it. <laughs> but then, as you and I have been talking about this, a lot of this uh, makes some sense, especially going along with what we've talked about the last week or two, where there was a dividing wall uh, in Ephesians, and then the two became one. There's some things to bring out of this parable. The parable of, you know, it's called the parable of the prodigal son, the parable of the lost son. I've heard people, and we've probably done this, talking about it from the perspective of the father. Some people will call this, it's really about the father. And in a big sense, it really is. It's not, it's not necessarily about the sons only, uh, about the lost son only, but it's about the father in the parable too. Uh, and so I've heard it called the parable of the father, because you do see a lot of uh, our father's character in this. But really, you've got the younger brother, which is known as the prodigal son. You got the elder brother, and you got the father in this. And uh, we're going to bring some things out in here that hopefully uh, that will maybe set, shed some light for some people on this. Yeah, I'm I'm at America, New American Standard, Joel. Just so you know, um, not that we have to be in the same translation here because they're going to be pretty close. But let's start going through this because it says this. Uh, a man had two sons, Jesus sharing the parable here. A man had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the estate that falls to me. So he divided his wealth between them. And not many days later, the younger son gathered everything together and went on a journey into a distant country. And there he squandered his estate with loose living. Now, when he had spent everything, a severe famine occurred in that country and he began to be impoverished. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, and he sent him into the fields to feed swine. And he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine were eating, and no one was giving him anything. So when he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired men have more than enough bread? But I'm dying here with hunger. I will get up, I will go to my father, and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven, and in your sight I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me as one of your hired men. So th there's more to this parable to come, but we're, we're going to chop this up in bits and pieces. So the question I have as we read through this, Joel, and, and uh, I know that tradition, as you were kind of referring to, the traditional emphasis on the parable has usually been on the son that left home. And I agree that this is really more about the depth of the father's love. But there's a hidden message in here that I, I think we have have not tapped into that we are going to be tapping into. And, and I, I just find it interesting because no matter what your interpretation of the parable, most are going to agree that the father in this story represents God. Mm -hmm. And so the question is, God who represents so many people, I mean, you know, the, the God, the, the, the father of all, you know, right? I mean, all creation came from the father. So why is the parable talking about just two sons when there are so many people in the world who do these two sons represent is a question that i would throw out right now yeah it's a really good question something that a lot of us don't think about and um from a, a general perspective when we have brought this out we would say that okay the younger son uh, represents a person who's gone out in just lavish prodigal sinful living and he comes back and 
and his father welcomes him, him back, and then uh, the elder brother would be more, the more self-righteous sinner, <laughs> the self-righteous person who doesn't realize what a sinner he is, but his father says, hey, you know, I'm, I'm accepting you too, so, you know, so hush, <laughs> don't worry about these things. And so you got a sinner sinner versus a self-righteous person out there that we and that's not a bad comparison but like you were saying cap i think there's more to this than that the elder brother and the uh younger son representing something a little bit more than just sinners because as we look at the ministry of jesus and as we looked at ephesians last week you know we brought out something out of ephesians that you know talking about how there was this dividing wall the middle wall of separation that Jesus Christ, he himself, Ephesians 2.14 says, he himself is our peace. He has made both one. Well, what were the both? It was the Jew who were already part of God's family, and it was the Gentile. There was this middle wall of separation. Jesus abolished in his flesh the enmity, that is the law of commandments contained in ordinances, to create in himself one new man from the two, thus making peace that he might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross, thereby putting to death the enmity. And so uh, with that, uh, I'll swing it back over to you, Cap, and see if there's something that we can bring out of that. Well, yeah, because as the parable goes on, because I, I, and I totally relate to what you're saying there, because we, we've often looked at the son as an individual, the, the, the lost son, the one who, the prodigal who ran away and came back. Uh, we, we look at him as an individual and we, we, we identify with him because, boy, we've done bad things and we've left the father and went and sowed our wild oats and then we came back and asked God to forgive us and all of that. So, we often relate to him that way. So I, I think we, we're going to throw that over on the shelf for now. None, none of that really applies here. And, and neither is the older son a Christian legalist. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, it's, those are all out the window. So picking up on, on, on the parable, he's rehearsing a speech as he's walking toward the father's house saying that I, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Just let me come in and be a servant and you know I'll, I'll be better off. Well, his father sees him from a long way off and felt compassion for him. And the father ran to him and embraced him and kissed him. And, and the son starts to say, Father, I've sinned against heaven and your sight. I'm not worthy to be called your son. It, it, the father ignores it. Doesn't even give him a chance to finish uh, and, and says uh, to his servants, he says, come on, get this guy the best robe. Uh, give him a ring. Put some sandals on his feet. And hey, that fatted calf we've been waiting for. Go get that thing. We're going to kill it, eat it. We're going to celebrate. My son was dead, and he has come to life again. It wasn't just that he was gone and came back. He was dead, and he came back to life again. He was lost, and now has been found. And so they began to celebrate. So now the older son comes into the picture. He's out there in the field working away, and he's wondering what all the music and dancing is about. And so he summons the servants and says, hey, what's going on? Well, hey, your brother's come home. Your father killed the fattened calf. And we have uh, received him ba- uh, back safe and sound. Well, the older brother becomes angry. He's not willing to go in. He's standing outside with his arms crossed with a pout on his face, a pouted look. <laughs> and the father comes out and pleads with him. And he says, come on, look, you just got to come in here and celebrate with us. And, and the, the older son says, hey, father, look, man, I have been here for all these years, years. I've been serving you and I have never neglected a command of yours. And yet you've never given me even as much as a young goat. 
And even that I would have to sacrifice. So, you know, I couldn't even have my friends over for something like that. So, Joel, what we're talking about here, I believe, based on what you were talking about just a minute ago and what we talked about last week in Ephesians chapter 2, look this up for yourself out there in podcast land, Ephesians chapter 2, where the, the two became one. I believe we're talking about the younger son as the Gentile, the older son is the Jew. That makes really a lot of sense to me. I'm glad that I had started talking with you about this. I can't remember, you probably brought it up with me a while back, and we've just tossed this idea around amongst ourselves, between you and me, just for a while now. And, you know, uh, there's so much to be uh, said about the, the various things that Jesus—when when Jesus would teach using parables— so many times, we often try to, alluding to what you were saying earlier, Cap, we try to make each thing in there out to, be, out to represent a certain thing, like the son represents a person, the prodigal son represents me, or represents somebody who's out there sinning, and the elder son represents a certain person, a self-righteous person, like you said, a self-righteous Christian or whatever, and uh, really... So many times in these parables, the person being used here represents a group of people, or a group of individuals, not just one person. And so with time running out here, we'll have to pick up more on this next week here on Growing in Grace, because I think there's a lot to be brought out of this. Looking at the parable of what's known as the lost son, the parable of the prodigal son, looking at the love of the father in this, and how he has brought the two together as one when uh, before there was this wall of separation. And so we'll look into that next week right here on Growing in Grace at growingingrace.org. This has been Growing in Grace with Mike Kapler and Joel Brzezinski, heard online through various Internet sources around the world each week. To access hundreds of past programs, visit graceroots.org. Share it with a friend and listen again next week for more Growing in Grace.